So uh, this morning, if you'll turn to, uh, to the book of Titus this morning, book of Titus this morning, I want to give you uh, just a few things this morning that, uh, that I hope will be a help to you this morning. I know they'll be a help to you this morning if we'll just receive them. Uh, the Word of God is a help to me and you. That's uh, was what God gave it to us for, uh, was to be a help to us, uh, was to show us the way, show us Christ, and then show us how to live for Christ. And uh, I want to give you just a few things this morning that, uh, that I think is very needful in today's time. Um, and I hope this is, uh, I really believe this is what God has. I, I'd really love to have preached uh, the book of James. I've been preaching there all year. Um, and man, just been in the book of James. But the book of Titus, I want to look at the word grace this morning. What is grace for? Uh, I, I think that we have a, uh, uh, a false definition of what the word grace is for. Uh, I, I think we use that word grace uh, out of context. I think we use that word grace for what God did not intend for grace to be used for. And uh, I want to look at that this morning. Very plain, uh, very practical, uh, very, uh, uh, again, just very plain. God uh, puts it out here plain in uh, Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Uh, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. So that, that wrecks the Calvinist view. Uh, I'm telling you, the grace of God's appeared unto all men, everybody, everybody. It's God's will that all be saved and come to the, hey, come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God's will that all men be saved. It's God's will that everybody uh, receives the grace of God. And so he says here that that has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, this is what grace is for. Grace is to teach me and you. It's to teach us some things. It's teach us uh, that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of, the, of great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquities and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous to good work. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And so let's pray this morning. Dear Father, I ask you to help us this morning uh, as we look at the Word of God. I pray, dear Father, that you teach us some things this morning. And God, you'd help me, I pray, this morning, God, to give your people, dear Father, exactly what you've given me. And God, pray it be a help to us in our life. In Christ's name, amen. So I want to look at just a few things about the word grace here this morning. Uh, looking at what grace will do for our life. We are uh, 2 Peter 3.18. It says, but grow in grace. Grace is for growing. That's, that's what grace is for. But we also see the first mention here of the word grace is, uh, is it found in Genesis 6.8 when it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, you know, Noah didn't do anything. Uh, Noah wasn't. You know, it said Noah was perfect and upright, but Noah was not that until he found the grace of God. It was the grace of God that led Noah to be an upright, perfect uh, person. It was the grace of God that did that in his life. So we find the grace that's mentioned some 159 times uh, in our Bible, and uh, we want to see what the grace of God is for. I can tell you what the grace of God is not for. The grace of God is not for the backslider. That is not what the grace of God's for. Uh, people say, you know, well, I, I got off into this and just by God's grace. No, it was by God's mercy that you didn't get what you deserved when you was out pilling in sin. Grace is not for sin. Great, that is not what grace is for. And so we see just uh, to skip a whole lot of stuff, uh, but to get here, what is grace for? It says it right off on the bat. It says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. First of all, grace of God brings salvation to a person's life. That's what the grace of God does. 
The grace of God brings salvation. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the grace of God that bringeth forth salvation in mankind's life. We have to have the grace of God. And that grace of God, He brings that grace to me and you, and it's by faith that we accept that grace of God, and then we can be saved. If we reject that grace, then you don't get saved. It's pretty simple. So the grace of God is for salvation. Very first and foremost, uh, we see in Acts 15, 11, it says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Pretty simple. It's just pretty plain. What is the grace of God for? And I'm telling you, I've heard a lot of people use that and saying, you know, it's by the grace of God this, and it's by the grace of God that. And none of it's Bible. The grace of God brings us salvation. I got saved because of God's grace. And, and so we see here in Acts, uh, in Acts 20, verse 24, it says, But none of these things move me, neither count I myself dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The grace of God. And so we see the grace of God bringeth forth salvation. The grace of God gives us access uh, to the throne room of heaven. In Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise and the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us acceptable in His beloved. It's the grace of God. It, gets, it brings us salvation, and the grace of God allows us to have fellowship and communication with our Savior. So that's the grace of God. Uh, and we see here that, that He's the giver of grace. If James 4, 6 says, but He giveth more grace. You know, God extends grace to whoever He wants to extend it to. He's God. It's His grace. He can give it to who He wants. Now, God doesn't give it to everybody at the same time. Not all the time. Uh, we see the, uh, the impotent man there uh, in the Gospels when he was laying there. When, when Jesus came to him, that man was the only one that received God's grace that day. There was a lot of other sick people there that day, but Jesus didn't go to them. He didn't extend the, His grace to them at that time. He extended it to that impotent man. And that impotent man put his faith in it. And he was made whole. And so it is, if you're, in, if you're ever in church service, and, and man, it seems to be, you know, you have the, uh, you, you have the terminology, the phrase, God's moving, you know, uh, God showed up. And uh, I, I want to say this, that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't determine how the service goes as to whether God shows up or not. That doesn't determine whether God, if, if the altars fill up, doesn't mean that God showed up. If I'm there, God showed up. Not because I am God, but I'm telling you, I'm saved, born again. I have the Holy Ghost living inside of me. And so if I'm there, God is there with me. I'm telling you, the grace of God. And so uh, he, he gives grace to who he sees fit to give grace to. And he gives a measure of grace. There's a measure of grace that he pours out on people. And so as we're sitting in service, and, and if you've ever been sitting in service and you, and you see uh, that, that things are happening, you maybe see somebody's getting some help and somebody's receiving some, some grace from the Lord, but you just really seem like it's just really nothing. I mean, I've been in services where I've seen people, man, I've seen people crying, I've seen people shouting, I've seen people running, and I've just been sitting, I, I, mean, it's just, I mean, it's just really nothing to me. I mean, I really don't, I don't feel anything. I mean, it's just nothing, uh, nothing extraordinary. I'm glad this person gets some help. I've even got goosebumps because I've seen somebody else get help. But it just doesn't mean, it's just the grace of God wasn't poured out on me at that moment. It was poured out on them. And they were, seems like, according to that, like they received the grace of God. 
But now I'm telling you, when we're sitting in service and, and we, see, uh, we hear the preaching of the Word of God and, and it comes across our doorsteps, then that is God giving me a new grace. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But the grace of God bringing forth salvation. And it says here in Romans 6, it says... Um, it says that we're not to. Uh, it, it says we're not to let. Uh, it says not let sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey uh, in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments unto righteous unrighteousness to, unto sin, but yield yourself unto God and those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. When a person gets saved and born again, we're no longer under the law. The law is to no more have any reign and rule over mine and your life. It's the grace of God that should have rule and reign over mine and your life. Uh, sin has ruled and reigned us long enough. When a person receives the grace of God, then the grace of God should have rule and reign over their life. And to have that reign, that reign is like a military term. It's to have authority over and the grace of God, if you're saved this morning, the grace of God should have authority over your life, over my life. It should tell me and you exactly what we should do and what we should not do. And, and Titus, uh, Paul says it right here in Titus pretty clear, that the grace of God is to teach me and you to not do this, that we're to do this. And that's what the grace of God's for. It is to teach me and you what not to do and to teach us what to do. That's what the grace of God is for. After it brings forth salvation, then it becomes our teacher, and it's supposed to rule and reign in our life. And so we see um, in Romans 5.21 says uh, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We should have grace reigning in our life. And so first and foremost, grace of God bringing forth salvation to me and you. It brings the salvation, and then we, have to put our faith and trust in the gospel. And I, I pray and I beg that you've done that this morning. Maybe you haven't. Maybe the grace of God will come to you today and show you that you're lost. It's just by God's mercy and grace. I talked to somebody the other day. They said, well, you know, we have to go looking for God. I said, absolutely not. God came looking for me. I, I wasn't looking for God. I, I wasn't looking for anything to do with God. God came looking for me and God showed up on my doorstep. Hey, by God's grace, grace came to me. And then I put my faith and trust in that. And God saved me. And God saved me. So first and foremost, the grace of God is for salvation. But then, number two, the grace of God is for sanctification. This is where you preach and you don't get invited back. When you go to preaching on sanctification. That we are to live a certain way. That, that, I mean, that God has a way that me and you are to live. Uh, uh, it was said, I think, last night, you know, the... Uh, uh, I think it was last night, or it may have been somewhere. But, you know, the boundaries, you know, uh, that God sets boundaries. And uh, you can see uh, all through the Bible, God puts boundaries up. And we have boundaries in our life. But I'm telling you, uh, as fleshly people, we don't like boundaries. I like to be able to go where I want to go, when I want to go, and how I want to go. That's the way I want to do things. But the grace of God has put some boundaries up in my life that is to teach me, that is to sanctify me, that is to set me apart for God's use. And that word sanctification, I'm telling you, it is a setting apart, a separation. And, and I mean, God did it from the beginning of time. God sanctified a day. In the very beginning, He sanctified a day. He took a day and set it apart for a specific purpose. 
And then, and then God moved on and God sanctified a person. And He set it apart and, and for a nation. This nation was sanctified, set apart for a specific purpose. And then God reached inside that nation and sanctified another group of men for a specific purpose. Be the priesthood. He, he sanctified them, set them apart. They're different than everybody else. They're used for a different purpose than everybody else. And then he reached down, and God even sanctified clothing. He sanctified a specific clothing for those men to wear. So I'm telling you, God's interested in sanctifying men. You're setting us apart. And so uh, what happens in our life is, is we wind up, if we're not careful, we will reject the grace of God, and we're no longer sanctified. We're no longer set apart. For, I mean, we don't lose salvation. Thank the Lord we don't lose salvation. I'm telling you, I have rejected the grace of God more times than I can even count. And uh, I'm telling you, I have, I, have, I have wrecked some things that God had intended for me to do because I rejected the grace of God. But it didn't fool with my salvation. Thank the Lord. But I'm telling you, God has taken and sanctified me and you. And if you're young, young people this morning, if you're saved this morning, God wants to sanctify you for a specific purpose, for a specific place. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan. God already has your spouse. He has, he has a plan for your spouse in your life. Hey, for your children, if He allows you to have children. Hey, your job, everything about your life, God has it ready. And it's by God's grace that you're going to get it. But you're going to have to allow grace to teach you. You're going to have to allow it. And we can reject it. God did give us a free will that we can reject grace. We can reject the teachings of God. And so He, 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 uh, he gives it to, uh, to sanctify me and you. Uh, there is a, uh, again, there's a measure of grace that God, uh, that God extends to people. And, and I say this, you know, grace is meant to make me and you holy, not worldly. It's meant to make me and you holy and not happy. That's what grace is for. It's to make me and you just like Him. Just like Him. That's what we're to be, just like Him. Now, I'm telling you, people are uh, uh, set on being happy and, and all this. God didn't intend to come to make me and you happy. He wants us holy. Holy. And I'm telling you, we can be holy. But it's going to be through the grace of God if we're ever going to be holy. It's going to be by God's grace. And so, uh, grace is for growing. Now, there's, you know, Jude talked about this in, uh, in verse number 4 when he talked about uh, there, was, there was men that crept in. He says in verse 4, it says, But there are certain men uh, uh, crept in unawares who would before old ordain to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God, of our God, into lasciviousness. That means a license of sin and loose living. He said there's some men that has crept. He didn't say there was men that is coming in. There's men that is creeping. He said there's men that has already crept in and they're in our churches. Hey, they're in our what you so-called circle. They're in our camp meetings. Hey, they're everywhere that is making the grace of God a license of sin. That is not what God intended for it to be. That is not what He intended for it to be. We can see right here very plain God's grace is to teach me and you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly and righteously in this present world. That's what the grace of God is designed to do in our life. It is not designed for it to give us a license to sin, to be able to go out and do what we want to do because God's grace is sufficient. That is not what it's for. I'm telling you, get off in sin, it's by God's mercy that we make it back. 
because God didn't give us what we deserved. <clears throat> and so it, uh, there, there are certain men that crept in unawares um, that was trying to, trying to give, uh, was trying to teach uh, grace was a license of sin. And so uh, just trying to flip through some of this stuff right here. There, uh, we talked about a measure of grace. God's all grace. Uh, the grace of God will change our life. It will change the way that you live. The grace of God will change our words. The grace of God will change our words. The grace of God, when he says, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that's God's grace that is going forth, extended to me and you, teaching us that, hey, we're not to let anything filthy come out of this mouth. That's God's grace. Now, when we let stuff come out of our mouth that shouldn't, then we have rejected God's grace. Because God's grace is teaching me and you that we ought not let anything come out of our mouth that is filthy. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, the grace of God is teaching us how to talk. The grace of God teaches us how me and you should walk. It teaches us that we are not to walk in certain places. That's what it teaches us that uh, Deuteronomy 8.19 says, And it shall be if that thou uh, do all uh, at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall perish. God said if you walk this way, it's going to be destructive. It's going to perish. But then he says in uh, Deuteronomy 8.6, he says, Therefore uh, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Grace of God teaches me and you how to walk. It teaches us that we should not walk with uh, this way. It teaches that we shouldn't walk with these people. If uh, any brother walked disaccorded, we're to separate from them. I mean, the grace of God teaches us that we're not to walk with certain people. And it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it just so happens, uh, you know, again, even in my life, most of them is my family. And God didn't specify family or not family. He just said, hey, you're not supposed to walk with these people. These people that are living ungodly uh, uh, and, and walking after the world, the grace of God teaches me and you not to walk after those people. Family, friends, whatever. Preacher, it doesn't matter. If they're walking disaccording to the word of God, we are not to walk with them. And I promise you, the grace of God teaches me and you that, and it's for our benefit. And it's going to bless our, it's going to bless our life. It's going to bless our life. So it teaches us that, that how we are, how we're to walk. Uh, and then um, <clears throat> there's some things that God will allow, but the grace of God will keep us from doing those things that God would allow us to do. God will allow us to get off in sin. I mean, He's not, he's not there uh, with a rope that's going to jerk us back every single time. God will allow us. We, we have a free will. We can, we can do what we want, so to speak, but I'm telling you, the grace of God will keep us from doing what we want. If we will let it have reign over our life as we read the Word of God and it teaches us. <clears throat> and so, uh, I, I, looked at, I looked at some things here, you know, just, uh, you know, why, why are we not growing? Why are we not growing? Because here, here, here's what's happened. It is, uh, a lot of times he mentions here that, that we, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, he says, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you that ye also receive not the grace of God in vain. And I take that, that's why we're not growing. is because we receive the grace of God in vain. Uselessness. We, we waste it. 
we waste the grace of God. When God shows me and you something, we waste it. And I'm telling you, sitting here this morning, if you've got a pastor this morning, I'm telling you, he gets up and he preaches the Word of God. You're in meetings and you hear the Word of God preaching. And, and there's instructions given. And, and here's what happens sitting in service. I've seen it happen. I've had it happen in my life. Well, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is telling me that I can't do this, that I can't go there? Who, who is he? He is God's man giving you God's word that is delivering the grace of God to your life, and it's up to you whether you receive it or reject it. And that's why, that's why, we're, that's, that's why we have a generation, and that's why we have people, and we have churches that is not growing. They are receiving the grace of God, but they are not taking the step by faith and receiving the grace of God and walking in the grace of God. They get some instructions that they don't like. And therefore they say, I'm not walking that way. I'm not doing that. And it wrecks their life. And so here's, here's, just, a, here, here's just one thing that, that I think about. You know, the Bible, the Bible plainly says <clears throat> that it's good for a man not to touch a woman. That, that's pretty plain. You, you, can't, you can't get no plainer than that. And so, that's the, you know what that is? That is the grace of God protecting you. That is the grace of God keeping you. That is the grace of God making sure that you marry right. That's what that is. And when God says, don't, hey, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, that means don't touch her. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. It doesn't matter. Don't do it. I mean, that's just God's grace is trying to teach you something. And I'm seeing a lot of people today, I want to say this, that, you know, courtship is not marriage. Because I see a lot of people that, that do it right up to courtship, and then courtship, all rules are off, and then just it's no holds bar. I can do whatever I want. You see them sitting up beside each other. You see them holding hands. You see all the, hey, they're touching. They're not supposed to touch. That even means holding hands. You say, preacher, that's just, I mean, holding hands. He said don't touch. That, I mean, that means this right here. Much less this right here. And I'm telling you what, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you've never heard it, I put a plug in for it. Man, we have listened to it at the girls' home. I've listened to it several times. You go look up Brother Lee Davis preaching on purity. And I'm telling you what, it, it's the best message on purity I've ever heard. And, and he made this statement, you know, I've got, I've got one woman that I'm able to touch. And that's my wife. And you may say, I don't have a wife. I said, then you don't have one you can touch. And it's just the grace of God teaching you. It's keeping you. And I'm telling you, we have these rules all through, our, all through the Scripture that God is teaching us how to live. God's teaching us that, that we are, God says we are, uh, we are, we are to, uh, we're to forgive. And, and uh, uh, in in, in uh, uh, Ephesians 4, the, the latter part of it, that we are, we are to be forgiving, tenderhearted. That's the grace of God teaching us that we're to forgive. If we don't forgive, then we don't give forgiveness. I'm just telling you, the grace of God is teaching me and you how to be godly. <clears throat> and so, you know, we, we, and we say the same thing as, as parents. You know, parents, the grace of God teaches parents how to raise children. And it teaches parents to, uh, uh, to chasten their children, to teach them the word no. That, that's what the grace of God does. And when you don't do that, it wrecks your children's life. 
And I mean, I understand that, you know, that the little ones at, at four and five years old, some of that stuff is funny, but I'm telling you, we're laughing at them and their life is going up in shambles right in front of our eyes because the grace of God is being rejected. The grace of, and you say, preacher, that's just, that, that's too much. That's too straight. You're going, you're going way too far overboard. And I'm just telling you, the Bible just does, if we just do what it says do, but here's what happened is we've allowed the grace of God to be lasciviousness, to use it in a way that God didn't intend for it to be. Yes, if you mess up, if you mess up, yes, there, hey, God, there is forgiveness. God is a forgiving God. But I'm telling you, yeah, it, it, that's not what grace was intended for. It was to teach me and you. And so this morning, as you, as you stand up, as you sit here this morning, and you, you've heard a lot of preaching, and, 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 and as you, you, you hear that preaching, and the preacher comes across, and, and there's things that's in your life that, that you're doing that he's preaching against, the best thing to do is just to quit them. It's to quit them. Just stop it. And I know that's, that's easier said than done. That's easy preaching, but it's hard living, because I have the same problem. I sit on the same pew that you do, and I hear some of the same preaching that you do, and it gets on me, and there's some times that I just don't do it. I just don't do it. It's not that I can't. It's just that I don't want to. It's because I'm selfish. And I'm, t I'm, I'm telling you, I, I have the same thing that you got. But you can't look at me and say, well, I mean, you know, well, I mean, you know he, he does it. I, I, I told somebody this the other day, they said the same thing. He said, well, you did it. Well, look at you. I said, well, who, who made me the example? I'm not the example. I'm not the one everybody's supposed to be looking at. Now, we are to be examples, but I'm not the perfect example. Hey, Christ is the one that we're to look at and pattern our life after, not me. <clears throat> and if we would do that, God would use us greatly. And he says here uh, that, he, that he gives more grace. We talk about these, man, we talk about these false prophets. Uh, these false teachers. Um, here, here, here's, I'm going to read this last verse of this. Uh, uh, it, it's here in, uh, in 1 Peter talking about these false prophets, these false teachers, and, and they, they talk about this, uh, this lifestyle they got, having their eyes full of adultery, cannot cease from sin. Uh, all these things, these false teachers and these false preachers, if you'll watch their life, their life's a wreck. Watch their life. Their life's a wreck. These ones, I'm telling you, they, they got podcasts everywhere. Look at their lives. Their lives are wreck. Their life is a mess. Hey, their children is a mess. Most of them's on their second and third wife. I'm telling you, they're a mess. They're a wreck. But yet still, they want to teach you that the grace of God, by the grace of God, everything will be okay. That God's grace will cover it. Hey, God, God love, God's love. God is love, but God's a God of wrath too. And so we, we see here the very last part of it. He says uh, in verse 19, he says, While they, that's talking about those false prophets, while they promised them liberty. They promised them, for, hey, just you don't have to wear them clothes like that. You don't have to listen to just that kind of music. Hey, that's not the only Bible that you can use. That's what they say. That's what they do. You don't have to go to just that church. Hey, you can listen to this music. Hey, they promise you freedom. Because they teach you that you're in bondage. In reality, they're the ones that's in bondage. They're bound up to sin. They're letting sin rule and reign in their life. Why? Because they're rejecting the grace of God. 
And he says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. What do false teachers are? They promise you liberty. They promise you everything's going to be okay. They promise you can live the life that you want to live. If you, if you love that boy, hey, go after it. God's good with it. Hey, no, the grace of God teaches you that if that boy is ungodly, he is not yours. He is not the one that God has for you. I don't care if his daddy's a preacher. It don't matter. If he's living ungodly, he's not for you. If he can't, obey scripture and keep his hands off you he's not for you and i would say the same thing sir if she can't keep her hands off you she's not for you because she's not following basic bible rules so what makes you think when you get married that she's going to follow what the bible says when she can't follow basic rules or he can't follow basic rules in the beginning they're not going to follow them in marriage either they're not going to follow them in marriage either and so, the grace of God teaches me and you that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, a sound and a right mind, righteously and godly today, in this present world, today. That's the way we're supposed to live. And I'm telling you what, the grace of God will do that. And here's, here's what here's will happen uh, here's what will happen if we, if we will do that. Uh, the Apostle Paul. Everybody knows the Apostle Paul. I used, to, I, I'm tell, I used to say a lot of times, man, the Apostle Paul is the greatest man outside of Christ. And then I read my Bible one day, and Christ said John the Baptist was the greatest man born a woman. Well, it just kind of wrecks what I thought. I just kind of go with what the Lord thinks. So now I say, well, all right, well, Peter's number two. Peter's number two. Peter's right behind John. In my eyes, I, I'm tell you, I think Peter is, is, is I'm telling you, Peter is wonderful. I mean, uh, 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 Paul, the Apostle Paul is great. And so we see, why did, why did God use the Apostle Paul so much? The Apostle Paul wrote over half of our New Testament. Why did he, why did he use him so much? 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Paul did not waste the grace of God. He didn't waste it. This is what he said. He says, uh, he says but I labored more abundantly than they all. The Apostle Paul said, hey, he ain't, I mean, it ain't him, but hey, God is the one that penned these words down. God's the one that instructed him to write these words. Paul wasn't bragging on himself, but Paul said, I did not waste the grace of God. I done more than everybody. All the other apostles, I did more than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Paul said it was the grace of, by the grace of God I am what I am. I did more than them all. Paul did not waste the grace of God. He listened to the instructions God gave him. Now, the apostle Paul, I'm telling you, I'm thankful that, that he said, you know, he, he had the same battle we got. The Apostle Paul said, uh, you know, that that I should do, that's what I don't. That that I, that I, that I shouldn't do, that's what I do. Hey, Paul, Paul had, hey, the Apostle Paul had the same battle we got. But it seems to me that he didn't lose all of them. It seems to me that, that, that he didn't waste the great one. God told him, don't do this. It seems to me that he just listened to what God said. 
And I'll tell you this morning, it would do me and you well to listen to the grace of God. It's the instructions. And, and young people, I'm telling you this morning, you, you're sitting here this morning, I'm looking at you, and man, I, 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 I've, my, you know, my daughter, uh, I got two daughters, my youngest daughter's back there with us, you know, she just got married, and, and uh, you know, we, we prayed, and I'm, I'm telling you, just praying and asking God to send them a, send them a husband. Send them a husband. And I'm telling you, it's, it's nothing that I've done. It's by the grace of God, by, by listening to God's instructions that, that we are where we are, uh, by, by, by uh, listening to what the Word of God says. And again, I haven't made an A at this thing. I, I feel like I've made mostly D's and F's uh, in my life and trying to live the Christian life. But I'm telling you, I've watched God take and change my life. I've watched Him change my wife. I've watched Him change our marriage. I've watched Him change my daughter. I've watched Him send my youngest daughter a husband. And we're still praying and trusting that he's going to send my other daughter a husband by the grace of God. But what do you do? What do you do? And I teach my daughters this, and I will teach you young ladies this, that you are to stay up underneath your authority until God sends you another one. Ladies, stay up underneath your authority until God sends you another one. That's what I teach my daughters. It's just by the grace of God, God sent them a husband. God sent our youngest one a husband, and we're waiting on the other. It's just by the grace of God. And he'll do the same thing in your life. God wants you to marry right. He wants you to marry right, and I promise you. And trying to make it all about marriage, but oh man, I've just seen a lot of people wreck their lives because they've let, they've, let, they've let flesh and they've let lust come into their life, and they've rejected the grace of God. So this morning, don't reject the grace of God. Listen to the grace of God this morning. Maybe this morning God's already been speaking to you about some things. Maybe he's already been speaking to you about some things. Maybe he showed you some things. Hey, you need to get these things out of your life. Maybe there's some, some people that's in your life you need to separate from. Maybe there's some language that you use that you need to quit using. I, I don't know what. Hey, maybe, there, maybe there's a young boy, young girl that you're talking to. You got your eye on that they, you know they're not right. Hey, get away from them. Don't look that way no more. I don't know what it is. But this morning, I promise you, the grace of God is wanting to teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We're not to go out and live like the world. That's not what we're to do. We're to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That's what God's plan is for our life.